Well, good morning, everybody. Can you hear me? Good morning. Good morning. All right. It's great to be with you guys today. Uh, thanks for joining us online as we uh, kind of figure this thing out for our uh, second week of uh, coming together live on Zoom from our homes as we're uh, going through this situation together. And the good news is that we don't need to go through this situation um, on our own, alone. Um, we get to, because of technology, uh, be together to encourage one another, to hear from God's word, to worship, uh, to pray for one another, and uh, and we're doing all those things to get today. So thanks again for joining us. We are um, going to be looking at John 9 this morning. And in John 9, Jesus encounters a blind man, and uh, it, it has uh, some good news for us this morning. So John 9, verses 1 to 7, says this, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Family, the good news today that we proclaim is that when we experience suffering caused by the natural world, whether that be from diseases or disasters, the question is not who should we blame. The question is how should we love? We ask this because even though night has come, Jesus pierces the darkness with the light of his love. So let's affirm God's love. Let's confess our fear. Let's call out for healing and for God's work to be displayed in us. Uh, John 9 is, a, is this interesting little passage, and it begins with Jesus and his disciples. And his disciples come to Jesus and they say, Whose fault is it that this man is blind? Who sinned? Is it, was it him? Was it his parents? Who's, who's to blame here? And Jesus says, neither. This happens so that God's work might be displayed in him. If you remember last week, I said that uh, as a nation uh, and as a church, we are entering into a wilderness. And a wilderness is a place of temptation, but also preparation. One of the other things that a wilderness is, is it's a place where we're confronted with the question of evil. And I believe that this is a question that is going to be more and more prevalent in the days to come. And that means as a church, we better understand how Jesus responds to evil if we want to be a people that have good news to share with our neighbors. So how does Jesus respond to evil and suffering? Well, I don't know all the ways, but I know in this particular passage, it shows us two ways that he does not respond. 
And the first way that he does not respond is that he does not actually take credit for evil. Um, one of the implications of this is that as, uh, as, as people of faith, many times when suffering or tragedy comes in order to help comfort one another, we, we say things like, God is in control. I was talking to my group about this uh, just this week, and, and we mean really well by saying things like God is in control. And what, what we mean is that God can be trusted with the outcome. But for many people, when they hear that God is in control, they don't hear that God can be trusted with the outcome. They hear something like, well, because God is the one who did this, God is the one who can undo this. And they think, well, if, if God is the one who did this, then I don't know that I can trust him to undo it. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus regularly resists answering direct questions about why suffering is happening. He just says, it happens. But he doesn't take credit for it. He doesn't, he doesn't come and say, well, I'm the one who did this, so I'm the one who can undo this. He, he simply says, this happened, and now what God is like can be on display as a result of it happening. And what, what do we see on display here? We see God's love as it's revealed in Jesus who enters into our suffering to confront evil and to reveal sin. And friends, if you have a different picture of the loving sovereignty of God than what Jesus displays here, then that picture has to go. Because Jesus doesn't take credit for evil. He's not the author of evil. But he does promise that evil will be an occasion where the light of his love will shine bright. And so let's affirm that love. Let's confess our fear. Let's call out for healing and for God's work to be displayed in us. The second thing that Jesus doesn't do, which we often do, is cast blame for evil. As humans, we, we have this impulse when things go wrong to look for someone to blame, someone to accuse for the evil or the disease or the sin or the wrongdoing. And we have to realize something about Jesus, that Jesus comes actually to, 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 to put that impulse on trial. That it's that impulse to blame, to scapegoat, to find wrong with, uh, with others. That itself is part of the evil that Jesus has come to confront. If, if you keep reading, which we didn't do today, but if you're on our Bible reading plan, you'll do this tomorrow. You'll see that uh, the Pharisees begin to make accusations in response to Jesus' healing. But it's not just a Pharisee thing. It's a human thing. And today, if you look at the news for any length of period of time, you'll see there are no shortages of, of places to place blame for COVID-19. Whether it's Chinese people, or the Chinese government, or Democrats, or Republicans, spring breakers, who, who despite the warnings went to the beaches, Mardi Gras revelers who've now infected a city. 
big business, metal, medical equipment suppliers, hoarders who have too much Tylenol and toilet paper than they need, and on and on and on. But we want someone to blame for how bad COVID-19 will become. Accusation and blame. For me, um, my scapegoat this week, at least earlier in the week, was the state of Florida. Yes, the whole state. <laughs> um, because last weekend, um, they were still running car shows. And my dad, not knowing any better, uh, you know, went to a car show last weekend. And to me, up here in the Northeast, that seems crazy. It's like, how can you be so ignorant as to continue to allow these massive gatherings? And so Florida became kind of the, the icon of my discontent. It's people like that that are the reason to blame. And I'm noticing, though, in my heart, and I notice this in, in other people's hearts, that accusation and blame are actually just coping mechanisms for fear. Because to, to face fear is to acknowledge how vulnerable we really are. And, and we don't want to look at our vulnerability. And so we cover over our fear with anger towards other people or other persons. And it does a couple things to us. First, it, it lets me off the hook of experiencing my own vulnerability. I don't have to look at it if I can accuse somebody else of being to blame. And second, it lets me off the hook of having to love that person, especially if they're my enemy. Having to put myself at greater risk for their benefit, because after all, they're to blame. And that's what the Pharisees are doing. They, they, later in the chapter, they accuse the blind man of being in sin and Jesus of being a sinner. And they're doing so out of fear because Jesus represents the downfall of their status and their security. Because if, if Jesus can bring God's presence to a sinful blind man, then they're no longer part of the equation. Jesus has cut out the middleman. And the irony is that even though they're accusing Jesus and this man of being sinful, it's they, it's they who are stuck in their sin. It's they who are shown to be blind to their own darkness. See, accusation and blame are the tools of the spiritually blind. And this, in this story, it, God does this, this inverse, uh, upside-down thing where the people who have physical sight are the ones who are spiritually blind. But those who are physically blind, but who bring their vulnerability and their fear to Jesus, they are the ones who can spiritually see. By the end of this story, this man who was once blind moves from talking about Jesus as just another man to falling down at his feet and worshiping him. Family, when we experience suffering, whether it's from disease or disaster, the question is not who to blame. The question is how can we love? So the, the problem with accusation and blame is that they're Again, they're coping mechanisms for fear, which means that they're substitutes for God's presence. And so anytime that we substitute something for God, it cuts us off from experiencing God's healing for our fear. 
It cuts us off from participating in God's love. It cuts us off from being givers of that same love to others because if we can make an enemy, then we don't need to love. I know for me this week, I missed out on a lot of opportunities to walk with Jesus because I was too busy making accusations. And my anger towards the powers that be in Florida, I never once prayed for them. And I was distracted from loving my dad, and I spent a considerable amount of time thinking about the situation when I could have been using that time better to be present with my kids, to reach out to others in need, to be on my knees prayerful that God would show up and, and display his love at a time like this. See, God, God comes to us not to accuse us for being accusers, but to show us our blindness so that we can open our eyes. Because when we experience suffering, whether it's from disease or disasters, the question is not who should we blame. The question is, how do we love? And we ask this because even though night has come, Jesus pierces the darkness with the light of his love. So let's affirm that love. Let's confess our fear to him. And let's call out for healing and for God's work to be displayed in and through us. So how do we respond to this good news today? I would encourage you to ask a couple questions. The first is, where have you responded to fear with accusation and blame? If God brings a new sight to an area of fear in your heart, Rather than turning away from it and turning towards anger, just confess it and to receive forgiveness for it. And then second, how and specifically who are you being called to love today or this week? And don't be surprised if the person or people that the Holy Spirit brings to mind are the ones that you've fallen into accusation towards before. Let's pray. Father, we confess that one of our responses when we experience fear is to cover it with anger and then direct that anger towards other people. We do this because it feels like the safe thing to do, but the reality is that we are already safe in you. Please remind us of the security that we have in Christ. Jesus, our impulse to accuse and blame keeps us blind to what you're doing and saying all around us. And we, we want, Jesus, as a church, to be spiritually awake and able to see the ways that your kingdom is breaking in and your light is dawning. So Holy Spirit, we ask, we call out to receive again your perfect love, which casts out all fear so that we would be freed up to love others and to display what you're like to this dark and fearful world. Amen.